Welcome to Bioinnovator Spotlight at Life Science Org, where we listen to the life science leaders of tomorrow tell their story and discuss their challenges as founders and entrepreneurs. I'm your host, scientist-turned-communicator, Dr. David Kirk. Let's meet today's founder. I'm joined this week by Torbjorn Furesen, a medical doctor from the Norwegian University of Science and Technology, who is also the co-founder and CEO of Do More Diagnostics based in Oslo, Norway, and they are looking at personalizing cancer treatment using AI. Thank you for joining me, Torbjorn. Thank you, David. Great to be with you. Please tell me a little bit about your background. I know you've got an interesting background from medical doctor to McKinsey to uh, CFO, CEO. So please tell me how, tell me about that journey. Yeah. So as a kid and a youth, I was very active in sports, did a lot of sports and uh, I was also very, got some injuries, was very curious how the body was sort of working and how to fix it. So, Mm -hmm. so becoming a medical doctor uh, was, uh, was really a a motivation I had uh, at the end of high school. And uh, I liked it a lot, uh, but I also during during high school, I've been working with uh, in, in um, uh, grocery stores and or uh, selling uh, TVs and videos. So I really also saw the, the um, that it could be you could be successful also as a businessman. Mm. So sort of this interest was uh, also uh, uh, sparked before I started med school. So during med school, I was in innovation groups and I went to Silicon Valley as an intern during cool. during um, uh, med school to try out. And uh, I found it quite interesting and uh, worked with innovation along with, uh, with the med school. Uh, but then I practiced medicine for three years just to sort of get the full experience. Uh, but it still sort of dragged me. I, I, now I need to go come more over to, to the business and, and the strategy side of, of healthcare and medicine. So I was considering various options and I thought McKinsey was the best option to, to really get the transition mm-hmm. and uh, the full experience. So, so I applied and I got the job. Uh, and I ended up being there in six years, oh, wow. four six years. Uh, very, very good experience. Learned a lot. Uh, different industries, different uh, functional topics. So, um, so that was uh, was a great experience. And even also the network after is is also mm. very very good to have. Um, but then I was asked by two former colleagues uh, if I wanted to join a Norwegian. Uh, small pharma company that was uh, waiting for the FDA approval mm. uh, for a new uh, drug, and uh, and I wanted also more the experience to now sort of get into more the business and be the full part of of a business and right. drive it forward. So so I think I thought that was a very interesting opportunity, and I joined them. And uh, unfortunately, the that idea didn't play out as uh, as good as hope we hoped for because we were circumventing a patent that was later invalidated. Ah. So then I transitioned to other companies uh, within the same owner, and uh, and I ended up head of uh, as head of innovation in a, in a very interesting company called Acker Biomarine. Hmm. Uh, but they they didn't really push forward for pharma and and, and sort of the pure medical uh, or more sort of core core science or uh, yeah so 
So I felt it wasn't the right thing for me to, to continue there. And then I was asked uh, by a Norwegian biotech company within immuno-oncology uh, if I wanted to join them as their CFO, they were contemplating an IPO. And uh, and I joined there. And uh, it was very also a, gr- a great uh, learning experience to transition now into uh, the CFO role. Mm. And... Um, and what I, what I felt I was lacking was really the exposure to more the investment community with the investors, the investment banks, yeah. and the markets. So uh, so that was really what I wanted to learn from, from changing uh, a bit the track. Uh, so I did that for one half years. The IPO didn't go, come through because the company didn't have enough progress on the medical program. Right. Uh, so then I moved on to another immune oncology company who was listed uh, at the main list in Oslo called uh, Targovax. Mm. So, so then I also got the experience as uh, being the CFO in a listed company with all the requirements uh, for, uh, for sort of compliance and, uh, and also uh, raising capital in, in the public market. Yeah. So that's, that's the background, but then also starting to get more interest in, in the big potential in AI. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when this opportunity came up with Dumar Diagnostics uh, to come in as uh, CEO and co-founder, yeah. it was really triggering me because it had a very solid, uh, it sort of ticked all my boxes with a very solid scientific uh, background, right. publications in The Lancet, uh, Nature, and, uh, and a lot of great people involved in the, in the project that was the basis for, for our technology. Uh, and also cutting edge technology, uh, AI, and, and coming into that now at uh, the right time point. Uh, and also a great business opportunity because there is now a big challenge in, in uh, cancer treatment is to personalize treatment. Yeah. But this is my next question for you is like, what, what is the huge unmet need in cancer? Oh, there's a lot of unmet needs in cancer. Let's be, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. It's not... And it's never the easiest topic to talk about either. It affects so many people. But tell me, what's the unmet need you're focusing on now with Dumore? So what we are targeting is to enable a personalized treatment approach mm-hmm. for the largest solid tumors. And colorectal cancer is our lead indication. Right. And the challenge there is... So within a cancer type, whether it's colorectal or breast or any cancer type it's a it's a big variation in the outcomes of the patients some yeah. patients are cured after surgery mm. everything is okay some patients have a tumor that have has metastasized micrometastasis it's not uh, identified but it has the capability of coming back mm. and and today there are no good diagnostic methods to identify who who has the sort of the mild tumors and who has the more aggressive tumors and who doesn't doesn't treat need more treatment than the surgery and who needs additional chemotherapy right so so that is what we uh, have the, or in the research program that uh, that we we sort of the, the technology comes from is that uh, we we can identify by analyzing the tumor tissue the histology slide uh, which is a very simple and fast method. Uh, there we can analyze the tumor and uh, predict who will uh, have benefit of treatment and who will not benefit from additional adjuvant, adjuvant chemotherapy. Mm. 
And this is important because that chemotherapy is really, I mean, it's, it's poison for the, yes. for the body. So you would very few benefit from it. It's very toxic. Uh, patients are hospitalized, even dying from the treatment. Mm. Um, and also 30% have chronic health issues after the treatment. So you really want to make sure that you benefit from this treatment. And, and that is what we can do with our algorithm. Yeah, I think that's very interesting that um, quality of life matters so much. Um, yep. I think to survive from or to be treated even for cancer with such an aggressive therapeutic as, as chemotherapy and so many chemotherapies are aggressive. Yes. Um, is it just this cancer type that you're looking at at the moment or are you expanding to others? So that is our lead indication and where yeah. we place most of our efforts now, but uh, the the research institute where we, uh, so we have further licenses on, on additional products within mm. prostate cancer uh, lung cancer and uh, endometrial cancer. Mm. So, uh, so then we cover m- many of the largest uh, solid tumors. Yeah, interesting. And speaking as the, like how long has the company been going, and and what is the biggest challenge facing uh, do more diagnostics today? So I joined in October twenty one. So um, soon two years, yeah. and uh, I think we have achieved uh, quite a lot. Uh, in, uh, in that time period. Mm. What is our biggest, biggest challenge, I would say, is to convince clinicians and payers that uh, this, uh, this new diagnostic method is uh, reliable and can be used to making this decision for patients. Mm. Because this is a big decision. This is the actual treatment of patients. And what we can do is to uh, we can uh, get someone into treatment that would not get treatment today, but the big problem is the significant overtreatments. Mm. We, we humans have this sort of bias when you're in a dangerous situation. You have to do something, yeah. even if you know that there are big downsides. There might be an upside, uh, and if you look at it on a on a sort of population level, it doesn't really make sense Mm. but each person each patient if if you have this okay if i can do this and it gives me two percent or five percent more chance of uh, of uh, not getting a recurrence then i will i want to do it even though you know all the downsides that that or side effects that are for certain Mm. so so that is how we humans sort of make decisions and also avoiding doing something you can do is is much more difficult than uh, doing some additional treatment yeah and then you would uh, do it uh, straight away uh, but if it's uh, so, so that is the challenge that it is so we need to uh, we need to um, expand our clinical documentation as I said, we now have published in the Lancet and the Lancet Oncology, but we need to expand it to more data sets right. so that it works in different geographies, different treatment regimens, uh, and also just in more clinical settings. So, uh, so that uh, to build the confidence uh, with uh, with clinicians to make this this decision, and and with that come into clinical guidelines. Mm. Uh, 
and also, of course, to make this a commercial success, we need to get reimbursement from okay. the healthcare systems, uh, either it's public or private uh, payers. Yeah. They also need to be convinced that this makes health economic sense. Yeah, no, very true. Um, uh, obviously, you need the data to back all of that up, and that's that, that's what sells it. Yeah. Um, tell me, the last question I have for you, Torbjorn, is uh, do you have a book recommendation that other founders could uh, maybe learn from? This is a question, obviously, we ask everybody, and we've had some interesting answers. But uh... Yeah, I think uh, one book that really uh, sort of excited me was the, um, Thinking Fast and Slow with uh, Daniel Kahneman, the Nobel laureate. Great book, great book. That's a great book. And, and it also comes a little bit back to what I said when we uh, sort of decision-making, human decision-making, what mm. like both the, both the sort of the fast system one and the slower system two. <clears throat> so that is a, a really good book. Uh, and then I think also as a startup company, Lean Startup with Eric Ries is also uh, very, uh, a book I would recommend. Yeah. Thank you for those. Uh, Torbjorn, best of luck with two more diagnostics and hopefully we will talk to you soon for a catch up further down the line. Thank you for joining me. Thank you, David. It was a pleasure. Are you a life science CEO in Europe? Go to lifescienceorg.com where you can connect, share and engage with a community of your peers. We have a platform just for early stage founders too. You can join there at nextgen.lifescienceorg.com.